Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. Amen. Listen, um, as many of you guys already know, when Jennifer and I first came to the church over six years ago, I've said before that God told us to do three things when we got here. And those three things were simply this. Number one, he said, love the people. Number two, he said, teach the word. And number three, he said, basically, move or uh, don't change things quickly. Move slowly. And so in response to that second one on that list, which was teach the word, when we arrived here, I immediately began teaching a series of sermons uh, to communicate the type of culture that I believe God wanted to establish in this church family. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up this morning is simply because of this, is from the time we were quarantined last year all the way up to this moment right here, how many of you guys know that the church has changed quite a bit? In other words, the people of the church has changed quite a bit. And so because of that change, I actually want to revisit, I feel compelled to revisit uh, one of those earlier quote-unquote culture setting messages this morning. So I want to start by reading Acts chapter 2. We'll just kind of lay down a foundation. I'm going to throw about 10 things at you. We're going to grab a hold of one, and then we're going to run with it, okay? So to kind of set up this portion of Scripture we're going to read, we know that before Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, he simply told his followers, he said, look, you need to wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Holy Spirit comes. So we know that 10 days later, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were in the upper room, and something cool really happened when the Holy Spirit fell, uh, uh, literally a multitude of people gathered around to actually see, to spectate, like what is happening. And the Bible says that Peter, who was one of those guys that was in the upper room, that he stood up and he preached and he preached the gospel, right? And so I want to pick it up in verse 40 and you'll see response to basically Peter's message and how the church unfolded. It says this, says, then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging his listeners Save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. It says in verse 42, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and in prayer. It says a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Notice the next words, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Great portion of Scripture. Now, the reason I wanted to start with this is because of this. It's because this portion of Scripture not only contains what we would consider the birth of the early church, but in my opinion, it also contains, for lack of better words, uh, the cultural distinctives of a healthy church. The cultural distinctives of a healthy church. 
And they are this. Let me give you 10 really quick, 10 cultural distinctives. In other words, every healthy church should have these things. I'm saying we have all them, but every healthy church should have them. Number one is this, it's evangelism. If you look at the bookends of that scripture, you see 3,000 were saved. And then on the back end, you see that the Lord is adding to the church daily. The second thing you see is discipleship. In other words, these people bought in. They committed themselves to the apostles' teachings. The third thing you see there is they committed themselves to having community. In other words, these people did life together, right? They fellowshiped together. They ate meals together. And out of that uh, submitting to the word, out of that submitting to one another, they begin to pray. In other words, they gathered regularly for intention times of prayer. The next thing you see is this, is when you begin to move like that, there becomes an openness to the supernatural, miraculous power of God, right? We know signs and wonders were done. The next thing that you see there is unity. They all shared what some translations say, they had all things in common, right? The seventh thing is this, is you see that these guys had a servant's heart. In other words, when a need arose, they were quickly willing to help one another. Another way they helped one another was in their generosity. In other words, a need arose, they said, man, I don't care if I got to sell the Cadillac, I'm going to sell the Cadillac so I can help them, right? The ninth thing is this, in other words, generosity. The ninth thing was this, it's worshiped. I love that, that they would literally gather daily together to worship. And the tenth one is this, is there was this, this culture of gratefulness, this culture of praise as they continually thanked God for everything that he was doing in their midst. Now, listen, how many of you guys know that if these were the cultural distinctives that marked the early church, then it just might be possible that God wants to do the same things in this church today. Yes, and he wants those same cultural distinctives here. Now, I believe with all my heart that answer is yes, he wants to do those things. Now, as much as he wants to do all that, I want to actually turn our attention to the last distinctive that's on that list, and that is this. It is our praise. Our praise. To put it plainly, I want to talk about how we express our gratefulness to God in our corporate gatherings through the act of praise. Now, listen, the things I'm about to talk about today are really simple, okay? Super simple. But sometimes we don't engage in the simple. Yes? And so I just believe if we grab a hold of this today as the heart of God, and we actually apply it to our lives, that you'll be blown away by the freedom that will come in your life and the encounters with God that you'll get to enjoy if you just do what the Word says. Amen? Amen. So, listen, I understand that, uh, you know, wholeheartedly today, that when, when I begin to talk about praise, that more than likely, whatever your past church experience is, is somehow that will define uh, you know, praise for you and it will determine how you express praise unto God. For example, if you're anything like me, uh, my experience in church when I went occasionally as a child was, was typically anywhere from my childhood to my adolescent years consisted of going to churches where people were very reserved. Right, And they were reserved and they sang out a hymnal. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. There were loads of sincere people there. But there was one thing that was for sure. Even in their sincerity, they were not animated. Right? Truth be told, in those churches, any form of enthusiasm, any form of emotion was frowned upon and strongly discouraged. Right? In other words, if somebody said, Hallelujah, everybody looked like, that's crazy, Joe. Right? Like, you don't do that in church. Right? In fact, it was like they would say, you know what? You can act as wild as you want out there. You can do whatever you want. You can be as loud as you want to be. You can, you can do whatever. Right? Go to ball games. You can, all that stuff. You know, in the South, football's a god. So if you go to a football game, you can lose your brain. You can, you can act like an idiot. It doesn't matter. But when you come in church, man, you, you better drop your emotion at the door. 
right? And they actually have this like this underlining undertone that simply acts like this, like, like God gave us emotion for there, but he didn't give it to us for to be with him. Right? And it's like they forget somehow that we're creating God's image and you can't look at the Bible, especially the life of Jesus, and, and remove emotion from him. He was a very emotional guy. Am I making sense to you today? So, so listen, but when you're growing up and that's what you know, then you can imagine my surprise when that was my, my experience when I had a friend actually say, hey man, I want you to come to church with me. And I said, okay, cool. And I came to church with him. I wasn't super church, but I was trying my best to love Jesus. And it wasn't just a church like, okay, one of the quiet churches. It was one of those hand-raising churches. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what did I just get myself into, Right. And literally, I felt, uh, you know, I felt super awkward as teenagers around me because it was in the youth group. Man, there was kids all around me closing their eyes. Man, they were lifting their hands. They were kind of bobbing and weaving a little bit. And they were expressing their love to God in all these ways that was super foreign to me. Right? Now, what was so funny, though, is I, as I left that night in as extremely uncomfortable as I felt during the worship, I had to admit to myself, you know, I think those kids have something that I don't have. Like they've had an encounter with God that I do not know, right? And so I'm not saying that somebody's better than, but I am saying that there's a freedom that comes, an experience comes with God when you actually begin to do what the Word says. Yes? Now, to make a long story short, that night and many others like it that follow caused me to set aside what my uh, previous church experience had taught me. So I had to set all that aside so that I could be what? So that I could be open to actually hear what the Word of God has to say on the subject. And so what I'm saying to you today and what I'm asking you today very kindly is if you will please just set aside your previous church experiences and maybe just open up your heart not to hear one man's opinion, but to simply hear what the Word of God has to say about how we actually should express our gratitude through praise. You with me? So let's jump in. When we begin to actually, uh, you know, unearth whatever you want to say, when we begin to unpack the word praise in the biblical language, we discover it means this. And I do want you to think about your life in light of all this today, please. It means to applaud, to declare the worth of, to express the approval and admiration of, to recognize the glory of, to adore, and to celebrate with an exuberant expression. I'm going to say that last part again. And to celebrate. Y'all do know church should be fun, right? Because we get to celebrate with an exuberant expression. In other words, what these definitions say is that praise happens when we're not only preoccupied with what God has done for us, but man, we are in awe of who God is. Therefore, what? It's, it's because we're grateful and because we're in all of Him, we celebrate who He is. We adore, we recognize, we admire, right? We approve, we even applaud, right, who He is. So what's the takeaway that I'm trying to get us to grab? It's simply this, is it's impossible to look at that definition and not go, you know what? Not to be able to see, not to be able to discover that praise is an extroverted and expressive uh, in nature, right? This extroverted and expressive in nature. Do yourself a favor. If you're sitting here today going, well, that's not my personality. Can I help you today? Everybody look at me. If you're sitting there saying, well, that's just not me. I have read the Bible from cover to cover and nowhere have I found in there where God says, you know what? I'm going to consider your personality and how I want to be praised. So do yourself a favor. If, you're, if you've been hanging your hat on that excuse, I don't care if it's been a year, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 
please, please rip the coat rack, hat rack down, whatever you got to do to go, you know what, I want to be a person of the word. Amen? Please. So this might sound silly, but man, when you look at that definition, in light of that, I just want you to imagine with me, if you will, just kind of paint a picture. Let's say, uh, you know, the, the band's playing like the word this morning, people are singing like the word this morning, and there's just this guy sitting there in the middle, and, and he's just sitting there while all that's happening, and, and you know, he's kind of, you know, leaning on his chair, you know, he's kind of half engaged, he's kind of staring off into space, right? Like he really, he's, he's kind of disinterested. And, and so, you know, it's like this, he's just kind of doing his thing. And then somebody walks in, they kind of give him a nudge, and they say, hey man, what you doing? Celebrating. <laughs> you guys getting the point here. Look, this might be a touch straightforward, but listen, but according to that biblical definition, if we want to be Bible people, then it would appear that if people can't tell that we're praising God, we're probably not. Right? Remember, praise is a form of exuberant celebration, right? Where our body and our emotions can't help but to respond to the gratitude that's overflowing out of our hearts. Right? In other words, man, we're so grateful and so thankful for what God has done. And, and let me just maybe say it like this way. If, if you can't respond in a way that Jesus saved you, if that doesn't excite you, you might want to go back and see if you were really saved. I'm telling you, because there's, when you have really been saved, when you've really been born again, man, there's a gratefulness in your heart, man, that you can't hide. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So listen, I realize when I'm saying these things I've been saying from definition on, I, I realize I've been here long enough, it rubs people the wrong way. Right? For a lot of reasons. There's no reason to get into it. But, but I just think this. Consider this for a moment. How many of you guys have... have been, have been, or are currently married? I, I'm having a hard time getting that question out. <laughs> so some of you guys, some of you guys are struggling raising your hand as much as I'm struggling to say that. Like, like be excited about that, okay? So um, Jeff, we're going to activate a prophetic word in your life today, okay? So Jeff, if you can, come stand right here. And E, if you can, come stand right here, please. Thank you. So I just want you to consider something. If this rubs you the wrong way that you're like, man, thinking that you got to be expressive, I want you to hear something. Uh, years ago, a man named Gary Chapman wrote this incredible marital book called The Five Love Languages. If you've never read it, please go home and order it and read it, okay? Now, the gist of the book is this, is that there are five ways that a person potentially gives and receives love, okay? And those five ways, we'll throw them up on the screen, are quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, and physical touch. The author was basically saying that somewhere along the line, like you, you can potentially have several of those, but there's mainly like one that's the dominant one that sticks out. So let's just say by chance that, that Jeff is an acts of service kind of guy. Okay, I don't know, but let's just say it. And let's say, there we go, that's great. I, I don't know, what are you? Words of affirmation. And there we go. And physical touch, You're, yeah, my kind of person. All right, here we go. Those are mine. So, so listen, so words of affirmation. Okay, watch this. So, so what the author says is basically where a lot of couples get in trouble is, is they begin to actually try to love their spouse in the way that they want to be loved. 
And because they're trying to love their spouse in the way that they want to be loved, guess what? It doesn't work. So let's say this. So let's say Jeff, he says, you know, I'm going to go home. I'm going to, I'm going to build a shed in the backyard, right? I'm going to cut the grass. I'm going to wash the dishes. Man, I'm even going to go the extra mile and I'm going to clean all the, all the windows in the house because I won't eat to know how much I love her. And the whole time she's just like, thanks, babe. That's cool. Right? But I wish you would tell me that you love me, that you think I'm pretty, that you think I did a great job today, that you think blah, 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 right? And on the flip side, what happens is, is she wakes up, Jeff, you're amazing, you're so handsome, I love your head, it's beautiful, right? And man, your hair is awesome, I love the way you dress, and she's encouraging all this, and he's thinking the whole time, like, man, I wish you'd just help with the dishes. Some of y'all are getting some revelation right now, right? <laughs> it's a free counseling. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so watch this. My point is this. It's like what has to happen is, guess what? If, if these guys, they have to learn at some point the other person's love language. And if they never learn the other individual's love language, it's going to end up basically being two people that feel unloved and super frustrated. They're going to be like, man, why, why can we not have what other couples have? Right? How can we look at what other couples have and they seem happy and friendly and all this, and we're just frustrated and miserable? Am I making sense? So, so watch this. Please watch this. Because that seems really simple. But I just think, man, if this could be said about our spouse, how much more could it actually be said about God? Like, how many times do we come to church, we look across and see somebody worshiping or praising God, and we see a joy and a peace and a freedom that we wish we had, right? Instead, we can't figure out why we don't have it, and the reason we don't have it is because we've never taken the time to read the Bible, to apply the Bible, to step out of our comfort zone in our box, and actually apply God's love language of what He wants to be able to be worshiped and to be able to be praised. Am I making sense? And so I think it's this, that if we want to be the kind of church that says, you know what, that, that we want to be marked by gratitude, we want to be marked by praise, then we need to learn God's way, right? And not just sit back and go, well, I'm going to do it my way. In fact, watch what one author said. Author said. He said this, he said, we have some dear folk in our church who cross their arms, lower their head, purse their lips and say, this is just my way of praising the Lord. Wrong. First of all, there is no such thing as my way of praising the Lord. There is only God's way. And I just think, listen, if we want to be that kind of church that we're talking about where this is part of our culture, then we need to erase from our brains any thinking that says, you know what, I'm going to do it my way. At the end of the day, we've got to realize, guess what, we're not the ones being praised. It's Him, so we better figure out how to do it. Amen? Give these guys a hand. They did so great. Yes. All right, so with that in mind, I'm going to give you really quick, I'm going to try to cruise here. I'm going to give you seven things that basically make up God's love language. And as I do, I want you to actually have the courage to, to challenge yourself to go, you know what, have, have, I, have, I, uh, have I learned God's love language and have I applied it? Did I apply it even this morning, right? So the first one is this. It's one of the ways that God receives praise is through our singing, now, listen, I, I've been around long enough to know you guys that sing really well, this isn't for you. But you people that sing like me, this is for us, okay? Because I can't sing. I sound like a dog dying, okay, when I sing. So watch this. 
But I want you to see that, that praising God through singing is so important to him that he actually gave us an entire book of the Bible that's nothing but songs. We call it the book of Psalms, but it actually is translated the book of praises. So listen, when we go and flip over in the book of Psalms, guess what? It's not 150 chapters. It's 150 songs, lyrics that have been set to music, right? So let's dive into that, that uh, book and let's see a few verses about singing here really quick. Psalm 100 says this, says, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Psalm 9 says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. So I want us to notice something when we just hear those two verses, and there's many, many, many like them, is that I want us to notice that this kind of praise is audible. In other words, in fact, biblical praise is not praise until it is heard. So there's no sitting back. I'm praising God. No, you're not, according to the Bible, right? So listen, we know this is true because the Bible says in Psalm 66, 8, it says, let the sound of praise be heard. So you see, these verses remind us that praise is more than just having a bunch of happy thoughts about God, right? It's true that praise begins in the mind, right, with a mind that's set upon God. But if those thoughts don't turn into action, guess what? It's not going to become praise. They need to turn into action, actually qualify as praise. And so I just think this is, is one of the many ways that we, uh, you know, talk God's love language is we actually lift our voice and we sing. Let me give you one more verse, especially for us that are shy in this department. Isaiah 40, verse 9, he says, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. So often the reason we don't sing is because we're afraid of people around us. Right? But it's not about them. At the end of the day, listen, I love the people of this church, but nobody in this church saved me. Amen? And I just think this, I'm not being trite with that, I'm just giving you truth. And the cool part to me about these verses is notice that God never mentions anything about the quality of our voices. Aren't you thankful for that? Listen, instead, what's the expectation is simply that we would lift our voices and we would sing, that we would talk His love language because we're so in love with Him, right? Another common way God receives our praise is by this, is by playing musical instruments. I realize that limits the room quickly, but it is a form of praise and it's a form of a love language to God. Let me give you two, two verses here. 1 Chronicles 13, 8 says, Then David and all of Israel played music before God with all their might, with singing, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals, and with trumpets. Psalm 150 says this, it says, Praise the Lord, praise God in the sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty heavens, praise Him for His mighty acts, praise Him according to His excellent greatness, praise Him with the sound of the trumpet, praise Him with the lute and the harp, Praise Him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbal. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I love that. Are y'all alive today? Listen, these verses tell us that, guess what? That music was God's idea. Right? So often we want to go listen to all kinds of other stuff. But man, at the heart of it, man, music is God's idea. And God has gifted men and He's gifted women. You can call me old frumpy grumpy. I don't care about this. But I think He's only gifted men and women for soul, one sole purpose. And that's to glorify Him, not to entertain. Right. Amen? Listen, the next way He receives our praises through this is by our shouting. 
It's by our shouting. It's by our shouting, right? Psalm 47 says this, Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Psalm 66 says, Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of His name. Make His praise glorious. Psalm 95 says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with praises. If you're an extrovert. No. No. If you're saved. If you're born again. If the Spirit of God dwells in you. Amen? So listen, think about this for a moment, gang. Does the Bible not tell us in Joshua 6 that there came a day when the, when the people of God basically had an enemy in front of them, and that enemy was Jericho? And it says that for seven days, obviously, they, they uh, basically hiked around that, that uh, city. They marched around it, right? And on the seventh day, they marched around it seven times. On the seventh time, what well, it says that the trumpet blew, and the people shouted unto their God. And as they shouted unto God, what? The walls fell. See, I love this because it reminds us of this theme that's in the Bible that says this, that, that again and again and again, the people of Israel, the people of God, that there's times where we find ourselves with our back against the wall, the enemy breathing down our necks, and God will simply say this to you, if you will listen, shout unto God with a voice of triumph, right? God will literally tell you to shout your praise in, in literally biblical times, and even today, we begin to shout with a voice of praise. Guess what? The enemy trembles. It's in the Bible. I believe it, Right? That he trembles, and not only does he get trembling, right? But guess what? He gets defeated. Amen? Listen, the Bible also says this many, many times, that after a great victory was won by the men and women of God, what happened is, is they would shout unto their God. Why? Because they got a victory. And all I'm trying to tell us today is this, is, man, um, listen, how can I say it? We have, as even a nation, have won many victories in many battles. Military men and women know that better than most, right? But at the end of the day, you know, they, yes, we won, right? But, but have we not received a greater victory than any battle that's ever been fought on this planet? It's called the victory of salvation. It's one that lasts eternity. So we have something to shout about is all I'm really saying. Let me give you another thing if you feel a little uncomfortable about this. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6, it says that, that Isaiah stood before the throne of God and he heard the angels singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Right? And it says that they were singing so loudly that the threshold began to shake. Now, we're not talking about a threshold that was made of some two-by-fours and a few nails. No, this is the, the threshold, the, the throne room of God, right? That they're so loud that it's shaking. And all I want you to hear today is this, is that, guess what? Heaven is loud. And if we don't like loud music, we might want to prepare ourselves. Either that or go ahead and pray for, for headphones. I don't know, earplugs, whatever, right? <laughs> headphones, whatever. Anyways. So it's just kind of this. So in light of that scripture, let's remember what Jesus said in Luke 11. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do we correlate those two? We correlate like this, that we understand that God desires for that atmosphere, the atmosphere of heaven, to evade this one. And what I'm trying to tell you today is this, is, is until we understand in our heart Guess what? That praise like this is the thing that unlocks it. Guess what? We're not going to have it. As long as we act like that there's a, a librarian standing over the back of us trying to make us shh. Like that church I grew up in as a kid, right? Stand up, sit down, shut up. Okay. <laughs> right? As long as we have that mentality, we're not going to encounter the kingdom of heaven like this. Right. Amen? Amen? Come on, y'all, hang with me. The fourth way he receives our praise is this, is by lifting our hands. 
told you this was simple. Psalm 63 says this, because your loving kindness is better than life. I love that. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Psalm 134 verse 2 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Now what's so cool is we could go, you know, well, that's only in there a few times. No, 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 no. There's like six or seven uh, Hebrew words for praise, right? And one of them actually means to lift your hands, to throw one's hands out is what it means. Do you know how many times that's in the Bible? It's not once, not two, not five, not ten. It's in there 111 times. I believe God wants to get a point across to us. So if we're like this, we're not talking God's love language. Y'all hear me? See, listen, I don't think this should surprise us because at the end of the day, is there not something more natural of expression of, of excitement and wonder and awe than raising our hands? Yeah? Think about it for a moment. Some people in here, you really like sports. Some of you guys don't care. I don't, I don't know what you folks do, but, um, but, but I still like sports. Uh, you know, listen, if our team scores a touchdown, if they score a goal, if it's hockey, if it's soccer, whatever it is, what do we do? The whole crowd. And we lose our minds, right? We lose our minds. And so, you know, I just think this. It's like if you look and go, I'll say it this way. This will be super silly. I remember being a little kid, and I remember going to a bingo hall with my grandmother. <laughs> right? And I remember, I mean, it's all old people. I mean, like, like everybody's got like one foot in the grave kind of old people, right? And, and I remember, you know, the guy up there, B3, <laughs> you know. And this old lady said, bingo! Why? Because it's excitement. That's how we express it. Go look at all the war movies that you've seen and all this where there's a victory, it's won. Right? And so the point is this. It's kind of like this. Is this not some primal instinct that we have? Right? Is it not somehow coded in our DNA that regardless of the language we speak, the color of our skin, or the country we're from, we've all felt this urge? And I just think this, man, at the end of the day, man, it's kind of like this. Should we be excited and have more wonder, more awe in our hearts for anything or anyone more than God? So we should gladly lift our hands, yeah. right? If I can even say it to you like this, it really encompasses all of them, okay? I'm going to be a little salty here for you, okay? <laughs> is, is this, is when we first got here six years ago, I remember preaching this, I don't know, about a month then being here. I remember getting emails, right? People talking. We're just not that way. And I'd get so frustrated, right? I mean, really frustrated. And uh, because I'm like, I know people, right? And, and so the, the only thing I can say is this, is, you know, so much of New England, okay, is like, man, we, we wear as a pride that we're stoic, right? We've talked about that, okay? It's connected to that independent spirit and all those things. And, and what's funny is this, is I remember saying to the church, you know, almost six years ago, I remember basically painting this picture. Uh, Austin, you'll appreciate this. I had the opportunity to go years ago uh, to go to an Alabama-Arkansas game. Alabama's my team. Like, like, we bleed crimson, right? That's my team. And I got to go to the game, and I remember we received the opening kickoff, and we, we drove down to about their 35-yard line, okay? And, and, and our drive kind of stalled out. Coach sent out the kick, uh, you know, basically the field goal team. So they run out there, and I remember the, you know, the field goal kicker. I think it was Cade Foster at the time. You know, he gets in his stance, right, like he's ready. And A.J. McCarron is the holder. That's our quarterback. 
and the ball was snapped, and instead of A.J. just spinning it around and holding it like you typically do and let somebody kick a field goal, remember this is opening drive, so total shock. He actually stood up, and we were playing a trick play. We ran a trick play. And our tight end, Michael Williams, who played for the Patriots later, he snuck behind our big old offensive line, and he ran this wheel route basically behind them, and he went up the sideline. And A.J. basically rolled this way to draw the defense this way, and then he just... I mean, absolutely beautiful, on a rope. And Michael Williams just went, poop, caught it, and ran in for a touchdown. And uh, almost 102,000 people that filled up Bryant D Stadium went freaking berserk. <laughs> and I was one of them. <laughs> went nuts. That's exactly what I did, right? And everybody did it because it, it shocked everybody. And, and it was so loud in the room or in the stadium. I remember the guy standing beside me, his name was Wes, and, and literally we were trying to talk to one another, scream, we were screaming, trying to talk to one another, and I couldn't even hear a word he was saying. Now, why do I bring that up? It's because when people say, well, you know, we're different. Here's the problem with that different, is I've watched the Patriots game too. <laughs> and let, let's, 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 let's erase from our memories the last year. Okay, let's erase that, okay? Back when Tom was here, right? Tom Brady. Don't y'all miss Tom? Go Tom, I'm so proud of him. Sticking it to the man. So, um, so I remember watching Tom. Gronk runs a seam route. Boom, touchdown. You know how all those New Englanders were uh, acting? <laughs> Is that true or not true? So don't, listen to me, quit hanging on that lie that that's just not the way we are. No, that, that's, you want to be that way when it's convenient. Right? It's almost like this. It's like having selective hearing with your spouse. Right? And all I'm saying is this, man, what would happen if we quit using it as an excuse? And we would just kind of admit, you know, it doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, or white. It doesn't matter if you're from Alabama, if you're from New England. Man, there's something inside of you that will respond in excitement if you'll let it. Like some of y'all be keeping that kangaroo of praise inside of you in that little box, holding him down. And sometimes you just need to let it go. It's fun if you let it go. Y'all good? Amen. Another way. Here we go. Another way God receives our praise is number five, really simple, clapping our hands. Clapping our hands. The Bible says, oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord most high is awesome. That he is. So listen, when you begin to study this out, you find this impression of clapping your hands uh, wasn't, wasn't necessarily a way to just kind of keep the beat. Okay, it, you know, that's kind of what we do. And I'll tell you the significance of that in a second. Nor was it this. Is it meant to go, okay, the worship team, they finished your song, and we all think, oh, y'all did good with that one. <laughs> no, 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 we ain't never done that. All right. So instead, basically what it's supposed to be is this. It's a joyful noise unto the Lord. That God gave us. I can't play a guitar. I can't play drums. These things don't move at the same time. I can't do that, but I can do this. Right? And what happens is, is we have the opportunity to join in. Yes, there's a cadence. Yes, there's a beat. Yes, there's an applause. But it's my way of joining the worship with my body to make, literally to make noise Right? Unto our God that honors Him. In other words, what I'm trying to say, this is our way of plotting. This is our way of expressing approval. This is our way of admiration. This is our way of celebrating Him. So think about this for a moment. I'm not just trying to pick on sports people because I like sports. But, but what do we do when the Patriots, 
the Celtics, the Bruins, or the Red Sox take the field, the court, or the ice. I've been there, right? I've been, I've been to some professional games and understand that what? I, like, I went to go see the Bruins play. As soon as they came out of the tunnel, they're skating, everybody just starts clapping, right? They start clapping. And, and so what they're trying to say is, is that's our team. And in essence, what they're doing is, is they're praising them. And I don't mean that in a bad way. They're praising them, right? They're saying, hey, we, we approve of you. You guys are our team. And I just think this, just possible, man, that, that, that could it be that as much as we love sports, man, is God not infinitely more worthy of our praise? So, man, why can't we clap and shout unto God and get free? Amen? Next one. Next one. If those didn't make you feel weird, I promise you this one will. Dancing. Dancing. Okay, Psalm 30. I, I dance like I got five left legs. So, anyways, but Psalm 30 says, You have turned my morning into what? Joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give thanks forever. Psalm 149. Praise his name with dancing, accompanied by tambourine and harp. 2 Samuel 6.14 says, Then David danced. He whirled around before the Lord with all of his might. Amen. Listen, have you thought about something here? Like, like, I just think about this. So funny. How many guys have ever had a kid? Like, you got a youngin. Yeah. Isn't it so funny that here's kids. They're little. We don't dance because we're dignified. <coughs> So here's our little kids. We hit play. Music's playing in the air. They come in the kitchen, living room, and they, dee, 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 and they just start dancing. And I love it because they don't give a rip if it's good or not. <laughs> right? They just, like, they just rock it. Right? And like no fear, they do it. And my question is this. It's like at the end of the day, you got to kind of scratch your head and go, who put that there? Like who taught them that? And the point is this, is God put it there. Because why? Because God gave us what we need, just like the ability to clap and shout. He gave us all this in order to what? So we could praise Him. And if you don't think that that's like God, because once again we're created in His image, I want you to think about something. You know where the Bible says that when a, a person gets saved, the Lord rejoices? Right? So a lot of times we all see God like some old man that's just kind of stuck, right? Just grumpy, right? It, but what that actually means in the Hebrew language is this, is that when a person gets saved, born again, right? They receive Jesus, that, that God literally steps up off his throne, lifts his robe, and he begins to spin and dance wildly in front of his throne in celebration. So how about let's be like God? How about let's kind of hope and pray that God will restore some childlike faith in us today? Amen? Seventh and last way. Y'all hang in there with me. You're doing good. Seventh love language is this. So simple and it's easy. It's standing. 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 Now that might sound super silly, but listen to what the Bible says. With the thought that you're a royal priesthood. It says, you who stand in the house of the Lord. That's us. We did it this morning. In the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name for it is pleasant. Now, listen, if you have a medical stuff, don't beat yourself up with any of this, okay? It's not, it's not meant for that. But to understand when we start looking at all this stuff, all these seven things, and we land on standing, we land kind of in this spot, in this spot is that we recognize that when we study the Old Testament and we see the tabernacle where the priests would come and, and they would basically encounter the presence of God. Okay? There was something really amazing about that. If you search all that out, you'll find that God actually instructed them to put certain pieces of furniture basically in the holy place, right? 
And you, in, in all that studying, you'll find that God uh, permitted all this type of furniture except one piece. And that one piece is this, a chair. And the reason is, is because to sit down in the presence of the Lord, like in that moment of praise, because it was considered as dishonorable and disrespectful. Right? And I just want you to think about something for a moment. You know, I realize that there's loads of opinions on the, on the political scene. So in your head, pick a president that you, is like, man, that's my favorite. Okay? And imagine if that president came in this building with, with basically his entourage, the natural response that you and I would do would be what? Stand up. Why? Because it's honor and it's respect, right? And I just think once again, it's like, man, uh, let me say this, especially for you guys who have been in the military, you know what it's like to stand at attention, right? You know what it's like, and it's once again, it's honor, it's respect. Man, once again, how much more does God not deserve it? Yeah. Right? And that's why for me personally, once again, I'm not talking about people that got medical issues, but I can't understand why people want to sit down when the presence of God is here or when there's an opportunity to encounter Him. It doesn't, it doesn't click. It's a physical expression of worship. It's a thing of honor to Him. In fact, let me, let me end with this and then we'll, then we'll be done. On this note of standing, 1 Samuel chapter 16 says this beautiful thing. It says that, that Samuel came to Jesse's house because God said go anoint a king. Can somebody say a king? king. So go anoint a king. And so we know that basically uh, all the older sons of Jesse one came, nope, that's not him. Next one, nope, not him. Next one, nope, not him. And then it comes to this verse 11 and it says, and Samuel said to Jesse are all the young men here? Then he said there remains yet the youngest and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, watch this, send and bring him for we will not sit down until he comes. Like what would happen, guys? Everybody look here, please. If we had that kind of mentality that said we're going to stand and we're going to give our God praise and we're not going to sit down until he comes. If we had that kind of hunger, that kind of passion, I just believe, man, that like we said earlier, guess what? When you start talking God's, God's love language, guess what? He's going to show up. Yes? So look, let's circle the wagon and let's end Let's end by rereading that quote we read earlier, and then I'm going to finish it off with the second part of it. Once again, we have come, we have some dear folks in our church who cross their arms, lower their heads, purse their lips, and say, This is just my way of praising the Lord. Wrong. First of all, there's no such thing as my way of praising the Lord. There's only God's way. Watch this. Therefore, if lifting the hands is not my way of praising God, then we need to make it our way of praising God. We need to do it until it becomes a natural and genuine part of our expression to God. In the same way, listen, I, I'm not naturally an acts of service person, right? I'm like E, I'm, I'm words of affirmation and I'm physical touch. My wife is acts of service. And so, you know, I've had to learn and not saying I, you know, hit a grand slam every time. We're working progress. But, but listen, I, I have to learn to go, you know what, I need to learn her love language and step out of what's natural for me because she's worth it. Am I making sense? So in the same way, guess what? What I'm saying today is that, and this is my prayer, that if singing 
or lifting our hands or clapping our hands or shouting or dancing or standing or rejoicing and having fun in God's presence isn't our way, then we would stop and go, you know what, I'm going to be obedient to the word in spite of what I may feel and all the excuses that I carry. And I'm just going to do it because why? Because he's worth it. And I'm going to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it until it becomes natural as breathing. Like, guys, listen, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not here to beat anybody up. I've had to walk this process myself, right? I remember the first time. Like, awkward, like this is, hope nobody's looking, right? It's just weird, right? And now it's, sometimes I throw my hands up before I even realize they're up. Why? Because it comes natural as breathing, because I've spent now 20-something years being free in what we're talking about. Right? Because why? Because I was willing to lay down my way and go, God, how do you receive love? Amen? So if I can put this plainly, we'll never grow mature in our expression, our gratitude of praise, until we're willing to praise God in His way, His love language, and the way He wants to be praised. Right? So, so if you can, just maybe imagine what would happen around here. We're going to pray. But, but what would happen if we came in this room and we said, you know what? In spite of what my flesh may be saying, I'm going to give God what He deserves. And we did a unified effort. And we quit waiting on other people to do it. Like I'm amazed at how many people told me, well, when I was at my old church, I used to dance. Well, why don't you dance now? Jesus ain't changed. Right. I don't mean that mean. But it's like, man, if people would understand. Like, like here, I'll shoot straight with you. A few years ago, three of my friends came into town. We all worked together uh, down at our old church. We were all in the same department. And, uh, and I stood there, and, and the three of those dudes, I love it because it's guys, standing here, and they just worshipped with freedom how they normally worship. They praised God like they normally praise God. And the entire atmosphere in this place changed. And people responded, because why? Because they were, if you, if you will, they were breaking the atmosphere that was, that's naturally in the room. And they said, I don't care, God's worth it, we're going. And then what happened is other people started responding in the same way. So what would happen if we had some of those people that were actually courageous enough and bold enough to say, we're going to do it. Let's let the kangaroo out. <laughs> right? I think some people would be grateful. Because here's what happens, okay? And, and you know, several of us that are in this room, we've seen this. When freedom comes like that, you know it's a natural response? I'm telling you, I've seen it for years. People get saved before one word's preached. People get healed. People get delivered. Literally, I've seen depression broken off people. The gifts of the Spirit start operating. All the stuff that we say we want begins to happen. But guess what? God can't make us do any of these things. Right? He can say, it's on the table, it's available, but it's up to you to come get it. It, right? It's no different. You know, God's different. He's different than us as parents. We put food on the table and say, you eat it, we'll beat you. <laughs> right? And, uh, and so, but God's like this. It's there if you want it. Right? Amen. Let's stand to our feet, please. Jesus, I pray and I just simply ask you today. Lord, I know uh, human nature is to hear a message like this and then to... Um, walk out the room and to simply forget it. And uh, Lord, I'm just asking God that these words today, God, these things that we're calling your love language, God, we begin to stick to us like Velcro. God, I pray to be a revelation we couldn't shake. And Lord, I pray that the revelation, God, would literally shake out of us any excuse that would say otherwise. God, they would shake out, God, that lie that says that we are, we are permitted to have our own way. 
of worshiping. Lord, I pray, God, that we would only respond in the way that you want us to worship. And Lord, we thank you today, God, just by faith. God, we just declare that there's a freedom coming to this church that it's never known. Father, we thank you, God, that, there, that there's literally people, God, as we sang even this morning, that as they come and they sing, chains fall off. Lord, that people are literally set free and healed and delivered, God. They're made whole. God, literally, that they encounter you. God, we believe that, God, today. So, God, would you release just greater revelation to us, God, to just shake off. Literally, let that revelation, God, just uh, remove any fear in any part of us that would want to just be, uh, you know, seeking the approval of man. And, God, we would just desire to love you and to honor you because, God, you're worth it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.